This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building. At the Banks, St. Sampson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. If you've got your Bibles, please send to Ruth chapter 2 for me. We're going to continue looking at the book of Ruth, which we started last week. <clears throat> so let's just take a little recap um, of chapter 1. So I'm just taking a chapter each Sunday. And chapter 1, what did we have? We saw that um, we had Naomi and her husband Elimelech move to Moab from Bethlehem um, because there was a famine in Bethlehem, so they moved to Moab. Now, actually we realised that probably wasn't the best choice for them because Moab was like the enemy of Israel and it probably wasn't the wisest decision for them to go there, but they, they did go there. Um, and uh, so symbolically, we can sort of think of them being in, in, in the place perhaps they weren't supposed to be. But whilst they were in Moab, they had two sons and their two sons married Moabite women. And then unfortunately, Naomi lost her husband and her two sons. And so Naomi was left with just her two daughters-in-law. And one of the daughter-in-laws, Orpah, stayed in Moab and went back to her family home. And Naomi wanted Ruth to do the same. She said, Ruth, you stay here. I'm going to go back to Bethlehem. But Ruth was having none of it. Ruth was absolutely determined to stick with Naomi and said, look, wherever you go, Naomi, I'm going to go with you. And so both of them returned back to Bethlehem. And this is a, such a beautiful story of how God is just orchestrating things uh, in, in Ruth's life, really. Um, this, this lady, this woman, this Moabite woman that wouldn't have been um, respected much, she was from Moab, and um, she moves from this place of obscurity to this great place of significance. What we find later in Matthew is she's in the genealogy of Christ. And so what a lovely story how God works things together um, to make Ruth into this great significant character. It's a story of taking someone into basically all that they can be in God. And I was talking about the fact that God wants to do that with our lives and he wants to take our life and he wants to do all that he can in our lives. He wants to take us further and he wants to take us deeper into the things of him. You know, we desire to know God more, I'm sure. We desire to encounter God more. We desire to see God and hear God more. Now, if you think about how much we desire that, then God desires that way, way more than we could ever desire it. And so it's this great story of encouragement for us. And I was asking us to ask ourselves exactly where we were and to be honest about that. In our journey with God, in our walk, our Christian journey, where are we with God right now and where do we want to be? I was asking us to think where we were at the start of 2009, if you remember. Um, I was 10 years out, but I meant 2019. And where were we right now? And where did we want to move? Where did we want to be in God? What, what could we see our life look like in God in all its fullness? And encouraging us to position ourselves in the right place. 
to get to that place, to get to that secret place of intimacy with God, where we have some alone time with him, um, where we can truly be everything we can be in God. And I was getting us to try and think about clinging on to the dream of being all we can in God, just like Ruth was clinging on to Naomi, just like she was determined. She said, Naomi, I'm going with you, whatever. I'm clinging on. You are the most important thing. And I was asking us to think about, you know, the value, the dream that we have of being all that we can in God and holding on to that and being determined in that and silencing the voice of discouragement and distraction that so often comes our way and stop looking at our reality, perhaps, and looking at clinging on to what we want to be in God and letting that be the driving force for us. So I want us to continue to look at Ruth today and see what else this story can teach us um, about getting to that place where we can experience God fully, that place of significance in God, that place where, as I said last week, we can properly unfold our deck chair. Okay. Ruth, chapter 2. I've got it on the screen as well. It is long. (laughs) Sorry, you've got to part with this voice as I read this. But anyway, let's go. Now, Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favour. And she said to her, go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. And he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, she is a young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. And she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favour in your eyes, that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law, since the death of your husband, has been fully told to me. And how you left your father and mother and your native land, and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favour in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed to her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, let her glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her. And also pull out some from the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today and where have you worked? 
Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, the man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, besides, he said to me, you shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young woman of Boaz, gleaning till the end of the barley and wheat harvest. And she lived with her mother-in-law. Excellent. Great. Good stuff. Thank you for that. Okay. I wonder how many times in our lives have we ever said the phrase, oh, that's a coincidence. How many times have we said that? When things come together um, and it just seems that the chances of all those things coming together were so, so small. It just seems like a really strange coincidence. Well, I was thinking about coincidences this week and reading around different funny coincidences that people have had. And I came across a couple that I thought I would share with you today. Um, And this man, Joseph Figlock, had a bit of a strange coincidence. In 1937, in Detroit, he was a street sweeper, and he was in an alley when a baby fell out of a four-story window directly on top of him. And both the baby and Figlock were injured, but they survived. A year later, in that same street, a two-year-old by the name of David Thomas fell from the same fourth-story window and again landed on Figlock. And both survived. Now that is quite strange. I mean, he was in the alley a lot because he was a street sweeper, so he was going up and down. But to have two different babies fall out four-story window and survive on top of him, it's quite unlikely. And then... There was another story, and you might have heard this one, of these two twins. Okay, the stories of identical twins, nearly identical lives, are often astonishing, but perhaps none more so than those of these identical twins born in I heard, I heard, born in I heard, I heard, how can I say that? (laughs) What do I want to say? Ohio, that's what I want to say, that's what I want to say, Ohio, yes. These twin boys, yes, were separated at birth, being adopted by completely different families. They didn't know of one another at all, okay? Both families named the boys James, okay? And here's where the coincidences just begin. Both James grew up not knowing each other, yet both sought law enforcement training. Both had abilities in mechanical drawing and carpentry. Okay, that's not much of a coincidence, maybe. But both happened to marry a woman named Linda. They both had sons, whom they both named James Allen. The twin brothers also divorced their wives, both of them. They both married another woman, and they both married a woman called Betty. (laughs) And they both owned dogs, and they both called their dog Toy, for some reason. Forty years after their childhood separation, the two men were reunited to share their amazing similar lives, and here they are. Now that is quite astonishing, isn't it? To have those two identical, I mean, some of those things you think were identical twins, but to choose the same name, right? Stories of coincidence, perhaps, 
Maybe, I don't know. Um, When you look at the book of Ruth and you look at this story, some might say, well, it's quite a coincidence that she just happened to go to where she went. In verse 3 it says this, Ruth set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers and she happened to come to part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. She just happened to come to that place. And you could say it was a coincidence. Or actually, you might say it was God's providence. And I think that's probably far more likely, that behind the scenes of this great story, what is happening is that God's providence, God's care, and God's guidance on her life was playing out. You see, Ruth had no idea what the future was going to be like for her. All she knew was that she was determined to cling on to Naomi. She was determined to cling on to the thing that she put the most value on. She didn't know what the rest of the future looked like. But in doing so, in clinging on to that value in Naomi, it led her to Bethlehem. It then led her into the fields. And more specifically, it led her into Boaz's field. And Boaz happened to be their kinsman redeemer and was able to redeem Ruth. Now, we'll look at that in more detail next week. But suffice to say this, Boaz would be the one who took Ruth into great significance, into the genealogy of Christ. See, God knew how to turn things around. God knew how to make a way through things when there perhaps seemed to be no way. When the future looked a little bit bleak, perhaps for Ruth, She didn't know what was going to happen, what was going to be. She just went back to Bethlehem with Naomi. But God was part of that all the time. And when we start moving, and when we start clinging on to the thing that is of most value in our life, when we cling on to the dream that we have in Christ, it may sometimes look like God's not there. It may sometimes look like the future for us is bleak. And we might be asking the question, God, God, where are you in this situation? You know, we're clinging on to what we want to see and what we want to be in God, but actually we're like, God, where are you in all of this? But in Ruth's story here, what we see is God's providence just shines through for Ruth. It's quite appropriate. Um, I didn't realise this at the time, but I got this little quote from a Jewish prisoner who, was, uh, who scratched this onto the wall of the Nazi concentration camp and today is the Holocaust Memorial Day. And this Jewish prisoner scratched this sort of poem on, on the side of the wall. You may well have heard it before in Auschwitz, but it said this, I believe in the sun even when it's not shining. And I believe in love even when I don't feel it. And I believe in God even when he is silent. And I sometimes think in our lives we can feel a little bit like that. I mean, if you think of this prisoner and how desperate the situation was for this prisoner, I mean, our lives can feel difficult at times. Our situations can feel desperate at times. But for this person in this camp, they were able to scratch on the wall the idea that, okay, God, where are you in all this? I can't see you, I can't feel you, and I can't hear you, but I'm going to trust that you're still there, even in the silence. And I think God sometimes, I don't think sometimes, I think God wants us to know perhaps that we can trust him. Even when we can't feel him, even when we can't see him, even when we can't hear him perhaps speaking into the situation, God's providence is working behind the scenes of our lives. If we're clinging on 
to all we want to be in Christ. We're clinging on to that value. I know it can seem difficult at times to keep that as the focus. And I'm sure for Ruth it would have been difficult at times to keep Naomi as the focus because she'd been thinking, well, what am I going to? I'm going to Bethlehem. I'm not from Bethlehem. I've got to leave my family. I don't even know what's going to happen, but I'm going to cling on. And God's providence shines through. And we can know that God will do that in our lives too, that he's looking out for us and that he's guiding us. But what that doesn't mean, I think, just looking at Ruth's story, is that we can go, okay, fantastic, brilliant. So God's got my life sorted, that's it, I'll sit back, hey-ho, I'm not going to do anything. Because what we see in Ruth is this, we see a story which shows the great interplay between God's purpose and God's will and then our human decision and human will as well. God weaving together Ruth's obedience and her faithfulness um, to bring about redemption. Because when we look at Ruth, we see a woman who was prepared to go. In verse 2, it says, And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favour. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and she went and she gleaned the field. So I think there's this idea that, yes, God's providence is in our life, that God is caring for us, he's looking out for us, he's guiding things, he's behind the scenes working things together. But there's this sense as well that we have to move and we have to go and we have to do as well. And Ruth, on her own initiative, sets out and goes and gleans the fields so she can support herself and she can support her mother-in-law. And it shows her kind of her character, how hard-working she was. She doesn't just sit back and she doesn't just go, right now I'm in Bethlehem, I'll wait and see what God's going to do. But she actually says, well, I'm going to make a move as well and do something in order to serve my dream, my value, which was Naomi. And to move where we are, to move from where we are perhaps, where we are in Christ right now, because I hope that we all want to move forward in God, to move from where we are in God, to move to where we want to be and to follow that dream, then sometimes we've got to make a move. We've got to do something. We've got to put something in action. I was saying last week about getting in the, in the secret place, you know, with our prayer and our devotional life. But it's in the fields that we will see God's providence. Ruth saw God's providence play out as she went and she served her dream. She served what she valued most. And if the thing we value is about going deeper, is about going further in Jesus, having a more intimate relationship with him, then I want to ask the question today, what are we doing to serve that dream? If that's our heart's desire and that's what we want to see, we want to see us move into all the things of God, how are we going to do that? How are we going to move to achieve that? Like Ruth going into the fields, what are we going to do? Are we just going to sit and wait for God? Or are we going to do something? And I sometimes wonder whether we can be mistaken that the spiritual acts of our lives are the singing the songs in church, they're the praying, they're the reading the Bible. But actually, all that we do, all that we are, everything that we do in our day-to-day lives is a spiritual act of worship to God, isn't it? Everything that we are. So how hard we work, how much time and effort we put into being the best employee or the best child, sibling, parent, partner, whatever it is, your friend. Everything about what we do is like a spiritual act of worship to God. It's not just our singing here. It's not just our praying and our reading the Bible. 
it's our words, it's our actions, it's our attitudes. And what are we doing in all those areas to serve what we want to see? What are we doing in all those things so that we will be all that we can be in Christ, that we can get to that deeper, fuller relationship? What changes are we making or moves are we making? Because maybe God is waiting for us to move rather than us just waiting for God to move. Sometimes I want God to move in my life and I sit and wait for God and then God says, well, perhaps you could do this or you could do that or perhaps you could, you know, and I'm like, oh yeah, perhaps I could. <laughs> so there's this, this connection between Ruth going, I'm going to serve what I want to see, I'm going to serve Naomi and I'm going to go and do and then God's providence kicks in as well. And I wonder if there's a truth there for our life as well. If we want to see all that we can be in Christ, if we want this, this significant relationship with him, then what can we do as well as knowing that we can trust in God's providence? Ruth was clinging to Naomi. It was, her, it was her dream. It was what she valued. And she had to go to the fields to do this. And it was in the fields that Ruth met Boaz. And time doesn't permit me to explore everything in this chapter. I could preach on this chapter for the, the year probably, but I'm only going to do it this week. But in the field, um, Ruth meets this guy Boaz. And Boaz was everything that Ruth needed. And there's something I think we can learn between that interaction with Ruth and Boaz and the interaction between ourselves and Jesus. You see, Boaz um, protected Ruth. Boaz kept her safe. Boaz gave to Ruth. He showed her kindness. And ultimately, he redeemed her, which we'll see later on uh, in the story. And if she hadn't gone to the fields, she'd never have met Boaz. And maybe it's in our moving towards where we want to be in Christ, in serving in all those different areas of our lives, seeing all things we do as spiritual that will actually enable us to experience and to encounter God in a similar way that Ruth encounters Boaz. To move from where we are in Christ to where we want to be, to become all that we can, we need to recognise God's providence that he does, he's working behind the scenes of our life, even sometimes when it feels like he might not be there. He is. Even when it's silent, he's still there. But recognising our part as well. But finally, I think it's another great thing that we can learn, which is about where we take refuge. You see, one of the greatest things in this chapter is that Ruth finds favour with Boaz. And Ruth asks a very profound question in verse 10. She says this, Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favour in your eyes that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? And Boaz's response is even more profound, because he says this, Boaz answers her in verse 11, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. You see, Ruth hasn't earned favour from Boaz because of what she'd done in the sense of this idea of an employer and employee being rewarded in that way. But Boaz is saying in verse 12, it's actually, it's actually the Lord that's rewarding you here. And again, it's not because of what she's done, but because of the fact that she sought refuge in the Lord, under whose wings you have taken, you have come to take refuge. 
Ruth had put her trust, she'd put her confidence in God and she'd sought refuge in the Lord. And Boaz is saying, look, let the Lord repay you and reward you because you have sought refuge. Not because of all the things you have done were, you know, like a tick list, but just because you sought refuge under the wings of God. Now, I was looking this week at animals that take refuge, like you do, and I saw some cute pictures which I thought I'd share with you. These are little... That, that one with the umbrella is actually true. I read it, a little uh, a photographer... I don't know why I said little photographer. Photographer had given him the little umbrella. That's what I meant. Um, but animals seek refuge in all funny places. <coughs> we might if we were out in the storm. But I think this interesting idea of birds seeking refuge under the wings um, is just a, a lovely, lovely picture for us of what God says to us, that you can take refuge, you can take shelter under my wings. What a great picture, great symbol, that actually God cares and loves us that much that he wants us to just take refuge, to trust in him for all things. How does Ruth's love for Naomi and her leaving her own family relate to her seeking refuge under the wings of God? Well, because Ruth sought refuge in God, because she did this, she was able then to devote herself to Naomi. And then she was able to leave Moab, which was her family home. So it was because she... Let me just put those back up. It was because she trusted in God and because she sought refuge in God that she then had the ability to say, I'm going to cling to you, Naomi. I'm going to go with you, I'm going to follow you and I'm going to leave my family home and everything that's familiar and everything that's normal to me here because I'm putting my confidence and trust in God. And to leave where we are and to devote ourselves to what we can be in God, then I think we need to take a leaf out of Ruth's book and like Ruth, put our trust in God and and see him as our refuge. Because when you look at the Gospels, this is what the Pharisees got constantly wrong. Um, The message of the gospel is that God will have mercy on anyone, anyone who humbles himself like Ruth and takes refuge under the wings of God. Anyone who does that, God will have mercy on them. But the Pharisees kept getting it wrong. And Jesus says in Matthew 23, he says this, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, killing the prophets and stoning those who are sent to you. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you would not. Behold, your house is forsaken and desolate. And as a great theologian that I love, John Piper, said, all the Pharisees had to do, all they had to do, these religious people at the time, all they had to do was seek refuge in Jesus. All they had to do is put their trust in his name, in him, to stop justifying themselves, to stop relying on themselves, to stop glorifying themselves, but they wouldn't. They didn't look to Ruth uh, for the example. There was no falling on their face, bowing before Jesus. There was no astonishment or welcome of the grace that Jesus would give. And the Pharisees kept getting it wrong. And my prayer is that we will learn from Ruth rather than look at the Pharisees. That actually it's not about how hard we try and how much we can do, but that actually we're covered in the mercy of God, we're covered in the grace of God, just by putting our trust in him alone and taking refuge in him. God's not the employer looking for employees. He's like an eagle looking for people who will take refuge under his wings. He's looking for a people who will leave everything, 
whether it be father, mother, homeland or anything else that will hold us back from this life of love. He's looking for people who will leave all those things to find that refuge and that shelter in Christ alone. So quite simply, today, in these three things, if we're thinking about going into this year and thinking about everything that we want to be in Christ and, and building that fuller and deeper and intimate relationship with him, then I think we can be reminded of these three things, that although the future may look uncertain, although the situation might look desperate and it may seem that God's not around and it, it might not be like that at the moment, but there might be times to come in the year ahead when it will look like that and we'll be questioning, God, where are you? God doesn't seem to be listening. He seems quite silent. Then should, we know, should we not forget this, this idea of providence, this idea that God is behind the scenes of our life. He cares for us. He guides us. His ways are higher than our ways. His plans are beyond our understanding. And he might just be orchestrating something beautiful to outplay in our lives that we wouldn't even be able to guess, that we wouldn't even be able to know about. But let us go to the fields. It doesn't mean that we just go, God, okay, it's over to you. Here's my life. There you go. Actually, we need to do our part, just like Ruth did her part. You know, God waits for us as well. What are we going to do? What are we going to change? How are we going to move? If all of our life is spiritual, how is it going to be a constant act of worship to God? It's not about what I do here on a Sunday morning. It's about my whole entire life. It's about everything that I am and every, every relationship that I have. How can I be better in those things? And what can I do so that I can then meet God in a fuller way? Because I wonder whether God sometimes will turn up in the unexpected places. I wonder whether God will turn up when we are trying to serve the boss at work that we don't get on with. Maybe that's where God will turn up. Or the work colleague we struggle with. Maybe it's not always in the singing and, and, and the prayer. It is those places, but actually sometimes God wants to surprise us. And perhaps as we begin to move and we begin to do things differently to become fuller in Christ, God will meet us in those places. And finally, where are we seeking refuge? Where are we putting our trust? Where are we today? Are we in the shelter of the Almighty God? Are we in the safest place possible that we can be? Taking refuge in God enabled Ruth. It, it was an enabler. As she trusted in God, as, as she sought God's shelter, it enabled her to cling to what she wanted to cling to and to move from her home. And I think as we put our trust in God and we take refuge in God as our shelter and our strength, it will be the source of an enabling for us. It will help us then to move into all that God has for us and it will be the thing that sustains us. I invite the worship group to come back and um, <clears throat> we're going to sing a final song. And whilst we do that, let's just think about these three different things today. And also what we looked at last week. <coughs> whatever we face, whatever we're going through, whatever our situation is right now, we do have a God that is above all of it. We have a God that we can trust. His providence is at work. He's guiding our lives. He cares for us. And today it might just be that we just need to hear that. But whatever it is, let us in this time of worship just connect with God about these things and say, God, what do you need me to do? I want to move from where I am. God, I, I don't want to be the same 
at the end of the year as I am now. I want to know you more. I want to, I want to see you. I want to hear you more. I want to experience more of you. And I want to move from where I am now. And I want to start making steps towards all the things that you've got for me and all the plans that you have for me and where you want me to be so I can know you fully. But God, what do you want me to do? How can I best serve you in that? So let us stand together. Father God, I thank you for this word. I thank you for this great story of Ruth. Lord, what an amazing, inspirational woman she was. Lord, she was focused. She was determined. She knew what she was clinging to. And she knew what she had to do to serve that dream, to serve the thing of, of value. And Lord, I pray today as we cling on to all that we want to be and all that we want to do in you, Lord, I pray that you would show us what we need to do to serve that. God, I, I know that, that you are in the background of our lives, that you bring things together, you work things together for good, and it's such a beautiful way that you do that. But Lord, I know that we can get involved in that and we can be a part of that. And Lord, if you're waiting for us, then I pray that you'd show us what you want us to do. And Lord, I pray today that we might just be able to trust in you for all things, that we would find the safety and the shelter under the shadow of your wings. Lord, I thank you for that great picture. I thank you that you take care of us, that you look out for us in the same way that a mother bird does. Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you that we can trust in you because you care and you love us. I pray, God, those truths, truths today will just develop in our hearts and our minds and our lives. God, we want to go further. We want to go deeper. We want to see more things, experience new things of you. We don't want anything to hold us back, God. So I pray that this year you'll take us into, into new and exciting ventures with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Eden Church. For more downloads, information or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyeden.co.uk.